welcome to the Patelli Like It Is podcast. This is Matthew Patelli, and on this episode, we're going to talk about Soleimani, Trump, the killing of Soleimani, uh, yesterday's retaliation by Iran, and what this all means uh, going forward. Starting with Soleimani, he took command of the Quds forces over 20 years ago. His job was to uh, mold and reshape the Middle East in Iran's favor through the military force. The Quds Force is an expeditionary force, which means they have uh, members all around the globe, numbering somewhere between ten and 20,000. Through this group and Soleimani's efforts to foment terrorism around the globe, he's killed hundreds of U.S. in Iraq and others. He personally ran Iran's war in Syria and brought in thousands of Quds forces when Assad's army began to fail. He also is known to help train Hezbollah, a known terrorist organization around the world, and fund some of their their terrorism. He hated Israel, and his power was as far-reaching as uh, places like Thailand, New Delhi, Argentina, Lagos, these are some of the areas where he was the mastermind or funding agent for terrorist attacks. He was extremely pragmatic. Um, he actually helped the State Department uh, of the U.S. target the Taliban after 9-11. Uh, he, that co- cooperation between America and Soleimani and the Quds forces was short-lived after Bush... Uh, deemed Iran part of the axis of evil. Uh, But make no mistake, he wasn't, you know, helping America strictly out of the kindness of his heart. He saw a strategic reason for doing what he did. Then after this little cooperation ended, Bush and then Obama both had opportunities to kill Soleimani, and due to intel reasons or or other measures, those uh, missions were not carried out. Trump had an opportunity to do the same, and he carried out uh, the mission. For those saying that this is some sort of assassination, political assassination, based on Soleimani's past and his track record and the things he's done around the globe and his clear... uh, hatred for the U.S. It's obviously not an assassination. He was a legitimate target, and he got what he had coming to him. Trump ordered the the drone strike, and it was successful. That's a good thing, the fact that he's dead. Now, we can talk about the pragmatic uh, implications of what Trump did. Will the events that follow be good for America and our allies and the the world in general? This is something that we we obviously just all speculation about. We don't know the events that are going to occur. Uh, there are, are obviously people who have good knowledge of the situation and all the people involved and can have better predictions of what may happen, but we don't really know for sure. What we do know is the action that Iran took last night by firing ballistics missiles at 
um, a U.S. military base, which was jointly used by Iraqi soldiers and American soldiers, was really just to save face, it seems, because they Iran warned Iraq of the the attack, and obviously they knew that Iraq would then warn the Americans. And subsequently, there were no American casualties. This is something that Iran knew would happen once they warned the Iraqis. It's just a chain of events that is common sense. Because of this, they probably figured that if no American soldiers end up dying, that America and Trump won't further escalate escalate and have another attack against Iran. And it was also a way for them to just, you know, save face uh, globally, showing off the fact that they do have ballistics missiles and they have weaponry that can, you know, cause real damage if a war was to ensue. And then we recently had, a few hours ago, Trump address America in a speech that he gave, basically just outlining everything I've outlined here for you, what Soleimani's done in the past, why he is an, an evil figure that was a legitimate target and needed to be taken care of, why he was a terrorist, blah, 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 mixed in with some really odd slurring by Trump. The man definitely seems to be in some sort of cognitive decline of some sort, but that's a different topic. It seems we have all narrowly escaped uh, further escalation and and a war that neither side really wants. Uh, I would gather to say that the majority of civilians and my fellow citizens here in America are against a war in the Middle East as we've seen wars in the Middle East really just not bring us what we were told was going to bring us trillions of dollars wasted, uh, and so on. So it seems that so far the act of Trump ordering the drone strike seems to be like a short-term victory. We got our target, we got our man, who we have probably should have killed years before, and he's the top military commander in Iran, and that has led to... Iran taking retaliation, but in that retaliation, no U.S. military members were harmed, civilians were harmed, no major uh, military post was harmed or anything like that. So it seems like a short-term victory. I'm sure months or years later, Iran will have a, a much more strategic and sneakier retaliation that is directed at America or our allies and it may be much harder for us to draw uh, a link between that attack and Soleimani's death. In conclusion on Soleimani's death, uh, the man was vile. He got what he had coming to him. America was 110% morally right to do what they did. And it's a good thing that he is no longer alive. Now, what follows is... A different story. You know, as I said earlier, it's very hard to speculate on what followed. Now let's discuss uh, a few things that have have followed after the killing of Soleimani.
Uh, I've seen quite a few prominent Republicans talking about how the Democrats are crying over Soleimani's death or they're somehow defending Soleimani or trying to paint him in a in a better light than who he is, who he was. Who's doing this is what I want to know. I haven't seen a single prominent Democrat do any of this. They all condemn Soleimani. They all understand and know who he was. And they are all in agreement that him being alive is, or him being dead is better off for the country. What they say is a negative about what Trump has done is one, he never consulted or he made even aware of the prominent Democrats in Congress about what was going to happen. Two, they don't believe that Trump has thought out the the ramifications of doing such a thing. And there's no good reason to think Trump has thought this out. And there's no good reason to think that Trump has good advisors telling him what is going to happen. I mean, how many people have been fired or resigned or are now in jail that were once friends, confidants, or advisors, or working in his administration. He can't plan out a sentence. The way he speaks, if you read the transcript, it, they're not even complete sentences. He randomly throws words together in a word salad. If you believe that he had any kind of plan about what would happen if Iran retaliated in a different way, I'm absolutely flabbergasted, and I, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Because the man has never, ever given an iota of an inclination to have a plan about anything. He is completely vacuous. Not only is he vacuous, he's vile. Shortly after killing Soleimani, he on, went on Twitter and tweeted out that he would be targeting... Iranian cultural sites. Now, not only is this just an absolutely awful thing to say, doing so is a war crime. So he goes on Twitter and announces to the world that he's willing to commit war crimes of the likes that you see terrorist organizations do around the world. We've we watched the Taliban do this. We see, we have seen ISIS do this, and Trump wants to uh, become what he claims to be fighting. And he went as far as doubling down on this on Air Force One on Sunday. He said, quote, They're allowed to kill our people. They're allowed to torture and maim our people. They're allowed to use roadside bombs and blow up our people. And we're not allowed to touch their cultural, cultural sites. It doesn't work that way, end quote. The man has, he probably has no idea that, one, this is against the law. He also knows that many of his hardline supporters eat this stuff up. They agree with him on this, and they constantly mistake cruelty as strength. They think when one is cruel, the more cruel you are, the stronger you are. It is asinine and wrong in so many levels. It makes you out to be the villain. You're the bad guy in that instance. 
And Trump has since walked this back because I'm sure, uh, you know, people at the Pentagon and his advisors let him know that this is a war crime and he would be a war criminal doing so. So he walked that back um, a couple days ago, might have been yesterday actually, where he he acknowledged that it's uh, against the law and he's okay with the law and it's okay with him. Um, so uh, I'm sure it was brought to his attention that him saying this was repugnant and vile and that, you know, the American soldiers and generals would not carry out such an order. And so, you know, he, he walked it back, but if here, I'll, re- I'll read the quote for you. Uh, it was Tuesday in the Oval Office. Trump expressed, quote, they're allowed to kill our people. They're allowed to maim our people and they're allowed to blow everything up that we have. And there's nothing that stops them. And we are, according to various laws, supposed to be very careful with their cultural heritage. End quote. He went on to say, quote, and you know, if that's what the law is, I like to obey the law. But think of it, they kill our people, they blow up our people, but then we have to be very gentle with their cultural institutions. But I'm okay with it, it's okay with me, end quote. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, this is the same guy went on the campaign trail, he said that he would blow up and kill the families of the terrorists. So I mean, you know, he knows this plays well with a large portion of his base, he thinks it's strength when it's not. His base thinks it's strength when it's not. So I'm sure, you know, later down the line, there'll be other instances of him saying things just like this, and it'll be equally as vile and odious as it was this this past time. Destroying cultural sites, uh, furthermore, is really just a crime against humanity. I mean, some of these sites, in particular the ones that he's referencing in Iran, they are pre-Islamic. They date back all the way to the Persian Empire. So, but, I mean, do you think Trump has any idea about that? Of course not. He doesn't understand that. And, you know, when we lose cultural sites as a humanity, as one people, it's terrible. These things add, you know, value to to our lives. They are art, they are architecture, they have great stories behind them. Um, They're places that people hope and wish to visit um, some point in their lives, certain cultural sites around the world. And the contempt or just the lack of knowledge that he has for history and destroying cultural sites is evil. War is not a video game. This is not Call of Duty. You don't get a respawn. With that, we'll take a short break and I'll be right back. Now, in light of all this, we can't lose sight of what's happening presently with Trump. He's impeached. There's an impeachment trial that will take place in the Senate, I'm sure sometime in the near future. And it will be interesting, to say the least. Will he get removed from office? Highly unlikely, as you need a two-thirds 
majority in the Senate, so he means you need 67 votes. Um, there's only 45 Democrats, two independents. They're not going to get, uh, which I believe would be 20 more votes um, from Republicans. Uh, but there was a little bit of interesting uh, news that came out. Uh, John Bolton said he would testify if he is subpoenaed uh, by the Senate. Now, for him to be subpoenaed by the Senate, you need a simple majority, so you need uh, 51 votes. That means they need uh, four Republicans to uh, join uh, the Democrats and independents in subpoenaing John Bolton to testify. Uh, jo John Bolton's, if he were to testify, it would be extremely interesting to see what he has to say, um, as he obviously may have firsthand knowledge and was very close to Trump um, during this whole Ukraine fiasco. Uh, it's also interesting that he is now saying that he is willing to testify uh, in the Senate. It does kind of put some pressure on the Republican senators to uh, have the gall to get together and f at least four of them and join the Democrats and independents in subpoenaing um, John Bolton to appear before the Senate and testify. It's also interesting, to perhaps, that maybe John Bolton knows that there aren't four senators, Republican senators, who will join the, the rest of the Democrats and independents uh, in voting to send him a subpoena. So perhaps he knows, you know, it makes him look good. Look, I'm, I'm willing to testify. I'm willing to uh, tell the truth about the situation. When in the back of his mind, he actually knows that he will not be subpoenaed. So he will not have to show up and tell the truth. Uh, who knows? It, it, it will be interesting. It will, I'm sure we'll see either or um, if he is subpoenaed or not. Um, perhaps Mitt Romney, you know, step up to the plate. Um, who knows who else will step up to the plate, if at all. But we can't uh, lose sight of, of what's going on with the impeachment and the whole uh, Ukraine and what Nancy Pelosi is doing with the two articles of impeachment that she's withholding from the Senate. Uh, this is uh, something strategic that I believe she's doing. She is uh, holding on to these um, probably until it gets closer to there's a definitive nominee, Democratic nominee, and uh, the election cycle starts to heat up and the attacks versus Trump are coming from one presidential nominee. They can say things like, look, Donald Trump is an impeached president, um, and currently he's on trial in the Senate uh, to be removed. Now, if the, she sends the articles, and obviously the Senate is going to uh, not find him guilty and not have him removed, they can say, look, the Republicans can say, look, you know, uh, Trump was impeached, it went to the Senate, um, and he wasn't removed. So he's clear of all wrongdoing. That's something that they can say on the campaign trial when going up against Democrats. Now, if she holds on to the articles of impeachment and delays this and doesn't allow, um, you know, the Senate trial to take place um, right now, it won't give them that leverage to say those things when running against whoever the nominee may be, whether it's, you know, Biden, Bernie, or Warren, or, or someone else. So definitely with the news cycle and how fast it changes and the Soleimani killing and, you know, Iran's response and blah, 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 we can get uh, fatigued and trying to keep up with it all. And we can lose sight of what just happened, you know, three weeks ago in this country, four weeks ago. And as fast as the news cycle moves, especially with Trump in office, 
it's very easy to lose focus on some of the more important issues going on. But we can't do that. And we have to, um, you know, stay vigilant and search for the truth and make sure we understand where things are going and, and the ramifications of, you know, our decisions. Now, again, I don't think he will be removed. Um, obviously, they're not going to get 20 Republicans to vote to remove him. And that brings me to the next point, which is really the whole disaster that is Donald Trump and his presidency, um, you know, his ineptitude in so many different areas and how just nefarious it is what he's doing, um, his attacks on the media and his absolute lack of understanding of how government works his zero ability to uh, plan accordingly, um, his just confused, slurred speeches that he's been giving lately, all of this could be stopped by Republicans. I mean, there are, there are certain few Republicans, Republican senators, who really could end this madness you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, they, we cannot lose sight of the fact that they are just as much, if not as much, to blame as Trump himself for allowing this to continue. They refuse to put country over party, and they obfuscate and deflect from all the asinine things that go on on a, on a, a daily matter with Trump. And they're going to acquit him in, in the Senate, which is I insane. Um, I mean, we even have, as far as uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell basically saying he won't be, he's not going to do his job. He won't be an impartial uh, during the trial. We can't lose sight of this. And, you know, midterm elections are just as important, if not more important, than presidential elections and you know next time around when a lot of these guys are up for re-election we got to get them out of there because they're not doing their job they're not um, being impartial they're not putting country over party and it, it's just it, it's causing so many more problems because they won't do their job i like to go back and touch on a little bit about how some of Trump's sycophants are out there saying that you know prominent Democrats are are mourning the loss of Soleimani and they're they're uh, upset at what happened and blah blah blah. You know you have Nikki Haley out there uh, saying things like this and Kellyanne Conway and talking about how the Democrats are mourning the loss and uh, Nikki Haley said that quote the only ones mourning the loss of Soleimani are Democrat leadership and Democrat presidential candidates, end quote. This is just false. It's just not true. Democrats aren't out there doing this. And not only is it untrue, it's, it's so rich. It's so rich because, I mean, how many times has Trump praised dictators around the world, whether it's Erdogan or Putin or the Saudi prince 
he's constantly praising dictators and how tough they are and how they stay in power and how they control their countries. And you don't hear anyone make a peep about that on the Republican side. But then they go out there and make false claims about how, you know, Democrats in Congress and presidential hopefuls are uh, praising or, or, I mean, or mourning the loss of Soleimani. Please. I mean, these are just lies. And again, you know, Trump supporters will hear this, they'll eat this up, and they'll, they'll hate the Democrats more for it. And it, it's, it just blows my mind. It's so perplexing that they're allowed to just spew so many lies on national television and, um, and get, you know, there's no repercussions for it. There's, it doesn't hurt uh, their, their standing with their peers it doesn't, you know, bring down their their viability in politics. And it's really disheartening, honestly. There's got to be some sort of, um, you know, repercussions and punishment, whether that's social, you know, social punishment, social capital they lose, political capital they lose for just knowingly lying uh, about their, their opponents. And not only, you know, these aren't small lies. You're, you're, you're saying that your opponents are mourning the loss of a terrorist that was taken out by, you know, American military. But many don't have the ability or care to, uh, you know, distinguish between mourning the loss of Soleimani and not being in lockstep agreement with if that's the pragmatic thing to do was to kill him. You know, I mean, there are many bad actors around the world, uh, Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin, you know, or Erdogan, we don't kill them. You know, there's reasons behind why we don't go and kill them. Uh, obviously, there's different reasons for each one, but it means, you know, you take into account the, the following events that would happen, what would be spurred on by killing certain uh, bad actors around the world. That's what Democrats are doing, uh, and in particularly ones like like Biden, who had a pretty standard, level-headed, sobering response to the the killing of Soleimani, and the fact that you know many of his supporters will ignore uh, what I just said about Trump and his love for dictators, and the fact that he you know, sees them as strong and would love to do business with them. And then they'll go and make up lies about how Democrats uh, are mourning the loss of Soleimani, a terrorist, just shows you the mental gymnastics that one has to be able to perform in order to defend this president day in and day out. Let me end by giving you my two cents and final opinion on the Soleimani, Iran, Trump, America fiasco. Uh, Soleimani was an odious actor. He was an evil dude through and through. And it's a good thing that he's no longer able to do what he had been doing for so many years. The U.S. was right morally and lawfully in our actions in taking him out. The blowback we may face um, is yet to be seen, but I can't see how there would be more blowback than we weren't already receiving from not taking him out in past years.
he was already killing Americans around the globe. He was already already financing and and training terrorists around the globe and carrying out many atrocities in Syria. Those things will no longer take place, that he is gone. He was very strategic and very good at what he was doing. So it will take time um, and a little bit of luck for Iran to find a replacement. Uh, I don't think Iran is done in their retaliation. Last night was nothing more than a way to uh, save face. I'm sure they'll find sneakier ways to get back at America and our allies and disrupt our interests globally. Um, It'll take some time before we see that, I'm sure, and it may be hard to draw a direct link between what is happening back to Soleimani's killing. Uh, Do I trust Trump to lead us in a conflict at all? No. He uh, is a terrible leader um, through and through. All he does is divide. He knows nothing. He doesn't care to learn more. He thinks he already knows it all. And he doesn't really listen to his advisors. And the advisors he he does have around him aren't the, the most competent, best advisors a president can have. So, in short, uh, that's my take on the, on the matter. I could make predictions about what I actually think you know, is going to happen down the line, but those would just be pure speculation and kind of foolish to do. So I'll refrain from that. But in the short term, Soleimani's dead. There doesn't seem to be any uh, war on the horizon coming uh, in response to Soleimani's death. So it is a short-term victory for America. That takes us going forward. So if you like the podcast and you want to support it, there are a few ways you can do that. You can share it on any one of your social media platforms. You can talk about it on your own podcast. You can rate and review it on all the relevant podcasting apps like Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can reach me at P-I-T-T-E-L-L-I, like it is, at gmail.com.